0: Space to feel. Welcome to the NS9 MLB Draft Preview. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Neil, and we have ourselves a very special guest today. We have Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. How's it going, Jim? Welcome to the show.
1: It's going good. It's going good. It's like, I call it the calm before the storm, although it's not really the calm because we just updated our top 100 prospects last night. We're finalizing the draft top 250 order right now. I'm working on the mock draft. I think about 10 minutes after we start recording this, they're going to release features game rosters. So I think it's actually the storm that's only going to get bigger as we get closer to the draft in the all-star game. But it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's probably my busiest time of year, but also probably the most fun time of the year.
0: Excellent. Yeah, for you, for sure. And speaking of the top 100, Anthony Salamito entering the top 100 now.
1: Yeah, he snuck on there. Like number 100, right? It's like it's all yep. blurred. I believe he's exactly. 100, right? Although, yeah,
2: exactly one hundred.
1: Yuri Perez is going to graduate, so Anthony's going to. By the time people see this, he'll probably be up to number ninety nine. But yeah, no, it's uh, he, he's having a nice. You know, one of the better pitching prospects in the minor league. It's crazy. I, I didn't count it up, I think there's only something like nine pitchers on our top one hundred who are pitching right now in full season leagues. There's, there's some hurt guys on there too, and there's some guys in the big leagues. But in terms of guys who are actually in the minor leagues, I think it's single digit uh pitchers which is crazy wow
0: that's interesting
2: considering that fan Grass was really really low on on him going into the season uh, I'm, I'm taking it that's this is this is a great development he's looked really good
1: he has looked really good so
0: certainly well we have you on the show Even though I could talk about Salamito for like the next hour, we won't do that. Let's talk about this upcoming MLB draft because it's big stuff for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the number one overall pick. And unlike the year with Henry Davis, where there's a lot of questions on who to take because there was good talent, but like not elite. And it's like, you could save some money here. You could, you know, do some things with the Pirates end up doing. They took Henry Davis under slot. Uh, And then of course, that's how they got Anthony Salamito. We talked about this one seems a little bit different. There's yeah. some really good talent up top, Jim.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally different. I mean, I know in 2021, which was a strange draft because you were coming off the pandemic year where you didn't have really college summer leagues, so you didn't get to see guys hit with wood bats. There was some high school showcase stuff. But it, it was just 2021 draft was sort of getting back to normal. It was our first draft in July. People were figuring things out. Um, Marcelo Meyer was our top-ranked prospect. He wound up going fourth to Red Sox. Red Sox, but it wasn't, you know, like nobody was saying, oh my gosh, you know, Pirates have unbelievable opportunity here with guys who are available. And this year, I feel like we have five guys who would be legitimate number one picks in a lot of drafts. You have, you know, the two guys at LSU, you know, Dylan Cruz, um, you know, one of the best college outfielders we've seen in, in, in a long time, Paul Skeens, who you could argue is, is right up there with Steven Strasberg as the best. Pitching prospect in draft history, to be honest. Um, White Lankford, who's not that much different than Dylan Cruz. I mean, different, a little bit different type of players, but if you're grading them out, they're pretty similar. And then you have two high school outfielders, you know, Walker Jenkins, who, uh, you know, I, I think the only difference, I mean, if, if he'd gone to college and done what Dylan Cruz and White Lankford had done the SEC, we'd be talking about Walker Jenkins, you know, more, but like he's high school guy, so he takes a little bit backseat. And then Max Clark. Um, another high school outfielder probably has the best all around tools of any of those guys. He just has less power. Probably like he's not a slap hitter, but it's probably more average ish power. And those other guys are all plus or better power. But yeah, it's, I mean, the Pirates have five really, really good options. I mean, I, I'd i kind of put Cruz and Skeens, Skeens and Cruz on a tier by themselves. And Wyatt Lankford really close to that tier. And then Jenkins and Clark behind them. But again, you know, I think we're talking 2021. Jenkins or Clark might have been the top-ranked prospect in
2: that draft. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) All right. You hold on one second. My wife has locked herself out of the house. We got our front door fixed, and now it's locking too much, and our dogs are going crazy. So I'll be back in
2: one second.
0: (laughs) Sure, that works.
2: wait i need to see if i can get my pulp fixture picture in the frame too
0: i was just gonna say i, I saw it behind him right look at you two <laughs> there, there it goes. is He's riveting <laughs> riveting stuff right now okay yeah,
1: i'm back now there you go a lot too easily
0: Neil just wanted to get his fault fixed. Yeah, I need to get my background too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I like that.
0: But no, Neil, you say something?
2: <laughs> okay. I, my, I guess my first question for you would be like, you know, you, you talked about like how close. So I had two questions about
0: Cruz
2: and Laneford are in terms of skill set. You know, um, so you put Cruz like slightly above, but realistically, like how big is that gap? And I guess my second question is how likely do you think that either of them stick a center field?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because so we have Cruz ranked number one on our, our draft top 200. We haven't updated it to 250 quite yet. And, and Langford's three. And, yeah, I think there's a perception among those fans that the gap is larger than that would imply. And it's really not. I mean, if you're comparing the two guys to each other, you know, Cruz, I say, is, is a better hitter. You know, maybe he's – a full grade better hitter. I think Langford maybe has a half grade better power. Cruz is a better runner, better chance to stay in center field. He's played center field. Lankford hasn't. They're both right-handed. But you know, they're 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 both pretty comparable. I mean, I think you feel like Cruz has a higher floor because you feel a little bit better about him as a hitter. And he's the best hitter in the draft. He's running better this year, and I think he's gone from coming into the year, you hope he could stay in center field. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I, realistic hope, but like you weren't sure. Now you feel like okay, I'm pretty confident staying center. You know that said, I think he's more of a solid center fielder. You know, you might have a better center fielder on on a big league club, but I think he's capable. Whereas Langford, I think it's has a chance, but you don't know. You know, Cruz is a little bit more athletic. Langford's a little bit more powerful, but I think it's like I said, I would take Cruz but I think the gap is maybe closer than fans might think. I mean, you know, I I don't – I mean, we don't talk to all 30 teams. I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if there's a team out there that valued Lankford more than Cruz. Like, that wouldn't be, like, shocking. So I I think it's pretty close. You just feel better with, with Dylan that better pure hitter, better chance of playing center field, and you've seen him in center field.
0: Do you think, and we'll go a couple places with this too, but do you think there's a possibility since they're that close, as you're mentioning, the Pirates could look into opportunity again, similar to like what they did, Henry Davis, and maybe go Langford under slot to maybe go later rounds and you know, spend some money?
1: I mean, I think the Pirates are doing what they should do is you've got to kind of try to figure out what each of these guys would cost. Now, I still think when you're picking 1-1, one, one, you should pick who you think the best guy is. And there's a couple things at play here. So the the bonus pool that teams have to work with, the bonus values for the picks went up about 10% this year. So the first pick is valued at a little over $9.7 million. And that's like $1.3 million more than the all-time draft bonus record. Um, The Pirates pool as a whole is $16.2 million. And since you can go 5% over the pool without losing future first round picks, that's kind of like you could go more, but nobody ever does. That gives him about $17 million to play with. Um, So if you signed a guy for $9 million, which would break the bonus record, you'd still have $8 million to play with. You'd still have plenty of money to play with for your other picks. Um, I mean, I think they are looking into things like that. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of rumors. I mean, Dylan Cruz wants $10 million. That Dylan Cruz doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh, or his agent doesn't want him to be in Pittsburgh, you know, because their history of signing guys to long-term deals isn't. Encouraging. I mean, I don't know if that stuff's true. I mean, you hear a bunch of rumors right now. The tricky thing is, like I said, I would always pick whoever you think the best guy is in pay. Like I'm of the mind that let's say you like Dylan Cruz. If I pick Dylan Cruz and I offer him nine million or nine point two million, that still gives me almost eight million to play with. Is Dylan Cruz turning that down to go back to LSU, even if he doesn't want to come to Pittsburgh or want ten million? I I can't see that he could. you never know. But like, I, I would just take the best guy and fear we're going to get him done. But the, the tricky part about trying to save money, like, like, okay, let's do a discount on the guy and save money. So the Pirates pick at one. They don't pick until 42. And when you get to the end, after the first round, it's twenty picks, you have the Mariners have two picks, Twins have a pick, the Marlins have a pick, Tigers have a pick, Reds have a pick, Athletics have a pick, Nationals have a pick, Athletics have actually have another pick. So that's five, six, seven. That's nine picks with teams that have $13 million bonus pools. So anybody you're trying to sneak to 42 if you're the Pirates, that's your strategy, we'll take less up top, and we're going to get a really good guy at 42. There's like nine teams you have to get him by, and I think that's really, really difficult to do. You know, Langford, yeah, he'd come at a discount, I guess, because I I don't think he's going two. I think he'd go – I think he's a pretty strong bet to go three. Where the slide's 8.3, you know, maybe if he went one, he'd get 8.5. So you're not talking about that much less. I'm making these numbers aren't hard and fast what teams are offering. But if I feel like I could get Dylan Cruz done for 9.2 and I get Lankford done for 8.5, that's $700,000 to me. If I think Cruz is a better player, it's not worth it to me to to go get Lankford there and save $700,000.
2: Okay, Um, similar question, because I read from, I believe, Joe Doyle's mock. I think he, a couple of weeks ago, he mocked Max Clark, number one, to the Pirates. And he said a big reason for that is because he believes, he's heard industry sources saying that Max Clark's ask is about $2 million less than whatever Cruz would be asking for. Cool. Would you say that would be... I don't know, do you know if you heard if that's true or not, or like what you but, say but
1: That like? seems that seems a little bit light, just because. Well, I mean, if we assume if Cruz is asking for ten and Max Clark's asking for eight, like again, like I do think Max Clark is the most you would get the best deal with Max Clark is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because I think Max Clark is probably going to go fourth or fifth, and if he goes fourth, that slot seven point seven million. If he goes fifth, the slots seven little over seven point one. So if Max Clark went number one. Probably cost you seven and a half or eight million dollars. Like, I I would guess it would be somewhere in there, depending on whether you feel the Rangers are going to take him four, the Twins are going to take him five. I mean, I do think it's a possibility. Um, Again, I I think all these things are possibilities. You have to look at them all. Ultimately, you know, I'm not running Pirates and I'm not playing with real money. I think you got to pick the guy you think is the best guy. Because, I mean, if you think Max Clark is. Like you, could argue, you could make the argument Max Clark is the best all-around tools of these guys. He probably has average power, maybe a little bit better if you like it more than that. And the other guys are all plus power. But Max can hit. He's the best runner of the group. He's the best center fielder of the group. He's got the best arm of the group. So it's like it's not like Max Clark, you're, you're inventing Max Clark as the number one pick. But I think most people will tell you he's the fourth or fifth best guy in this draft. And if the Pirates feel he's the fourth or fifth best guy in the draft, again, my, my advice would be, Take the best guy and don't pay him. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's impossible. So many people I think think the pirates are gonna cut a deal. They did that two years ago? But like you guys noted, it's a totally different draft. This isn't the two years ago, there was no clear cut, obvious slam dunk number one. There was nobody like Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz or even White Lankford in that draft. And so it was different. this draft, you have guys like that. So like i um, you know, again, I'm kind of making these numbers up as I go along. Like I feel like you could sign Dylan Cruz for like nine two. I feel like Langford probably gonna cost you, I would think eight five-ish. Walker Jenkins is not gonna take a deal because he's got the same agent as Dylan Cruz. I, I, I can't see Walker Jenkins taking a deal to go number one, um necessarily. But if Max Clark, maybe Max Clark costs you seven and a half million or eight. But if you think Dylan Cruz is better than those guys, you should take Dylan Cruz. And if you again, it's not my choice. If you're asking me, I would take Paul Skeens.
0: Yeah. Well, now that we got all that stuff out of the way, all the different scenarios, the different (laughs) options and whatnot, I'm with you. Like, I feel this is the draft you don't play around with. You know, especially this. Like back to the Henry Davis one, you could look at five of them and say they're all about the same. Who's going to get the best deal? Right. This one, I think I'm with you. Where it's it's two guys. They're they're just on this whole other level. Is it Skeens or is it Cruz? You pick who you think's the best you deal with the money and go from there. So,
1: let me throw in one more thing too. The thing is, okay. like I was saying, the Pirates have the largest bonus pool of anybody. It's 16.2 million dollars. We're going to round that up to 17 with the extra 5%. So even if Dylan Cruz costs you 9.2 million dollars, that still gives you 7.8 million dollars to spend on the rest of your draft. That's going to be more money than almost anybody else has after the first round. So you could still you know, go nuts and 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 get some players. And like I said, it's too much risk for me. You don't know who's gonna get to 42, but you're gonna have a bunch of money. You may not like if if you if you go cheap or take a discount at the top to push a guy to 42, you can't guarantee he gets there. So just take a guy and you're still gonna have a ton of money and you're still gonna have more spending power than almost anybody by the time it gets down there. Like it'd be one thing if like you had some crazy scenario and they've got the same agent. I'm gonna take Wyatt Lankford number one and we're going to push Max Clark down to 42. Now, I don't think other teams will let that happen. But, like, if you could do something like that, okay, now, now you've got me interested. But the odds of that happening, I just think some other team would step in and say, no, we're not. We're going to take Max Clark, and and we'll pay him. But, but yeah, it's it just the, the Pirates don't have – the Pirates have so much money. They're going to be able to, you know, go get Anthony Solomito or Bubby, Bubba Chandler or whoever, those types of guys like they did with Henry Davis. They can do that without discounting the number one pick. But anyway, so then, now to your question.
0: Yeah, no, that's good stuff. That's really good to hear because, you know, the Pirates have gone through that. And the one thing is, the Pirates haven't, like, notoriously, I mean, they're cheap, right? Major leagues and such, but, like, in the draft, they've never, like, notoriously been that way. Yeah. Um, that's the, so,
2: the only time I've heard that the Pirates have lots of money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and they'll spend it. But, you know, yeah. like you said, it's not our money and I'm with you. Like, what it's going to cost to get skeins or cruise, like you just do that. And so I guess the big question is cruise or skeins. And I think you answered it, but tell us a little bit. You you said skeins, it's been cruise, cruise, cruise all year, cruise or bust. So why is really enter the picture as like a legit, I am the better player person?
1: Yeah. And see, it's interesting because I do think like we surveyed, Jonathan Mayo did a survey where he I think he got about 30 responses to it. He asked teams just who they would pick if they were number one. And and, and Cruz got about two thirds, 70% of the votes for that. I think it's easier, it, it's safer to say, we'll take a hitter because they don't get hurt as much. Cruz, I mean, you feel pretty good Cruz is going to hit based on the way he's hit in college. He was a guy coming out of high school. I just think you got to look at, like, I mean, I know there's more risk with a pitcher. And, yeah, Paul Skeens throws hard and guys who throw hard get hurt. But I just look at, like, how good he is relative to his position compared to Cruz. Like, like I was just saying earlier, you guys asked. There's not, like, this gargantuan difference between Cruz and Langford. And there's if you're tooling them out, like, there's not a gargantuan difference between Cruz and Jenkins. Cruz has done it at the, at the SEC and Jenkins is a high school kid. You know, Max Clark and Cruz are kind of different types of players. But, again, if you were overall grading them out, their overall grades would be similar. You just have more comfortable with Cruz because Clark's you know, a high school kid. So, I mean, in this draft alone, I know this is a common draft, I've got four really good outfielders like that I could take. Paul Skeens, I, I think, you know, the last guy who I think you can even talk about being in the second conversation with him as a, as a draft pitching prospect, I know it's a Pirates podcast and it's surprising to make anybody smile, it's Garrett Cole. But he's better than Garrett Cole was. Garrett Cole didn't dominate like this in college. And I think Skeens' fastball is more out of power than Gary Cole's. And I think his slider is a better slider than Gary Cole had. He was just more dominant. He, I think he even had – I'd have to go back and look. But, I mean, Paul Skeens has like a 10 to one straight up to walk ratio. I think he's got better command than Gary Cole had. So then you have to go to Strasburg, who's the best ever. And it's funny. You can look at Strasburg, and it's kind of like eye of the beholder. You can look at him and say, oh, man, Strasburg's been hurt a lot. And Tommy John earlier in his career and this big contract he just signed, you know, he's barely going to earn any of it. But when he was healthy, which was for a good you know, chunk of years, Steven Strasburg was almost as good as any pitcher in the game. The Washington Nationals won a World Series. I mean, it wasn't only him. But I want to say Strasburg was MVP, right? I think he was a World Series MVP. I
0: think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Um, and he was part of consistent playoff teams. And I think, one, having a pitcher like that, they come around like once a decade if you're lucky. And you either draft Paul Skeen's, or if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're never going to have Paul Skeens on your team ever. You're not going to be able to trade for him. Teams don't trade guys like that. And they're not going to be able to sign him as a free agent. Um, and so I just think it's harder to find a Paul Skeens than a Dylan Cruz. And, and I like Dylan Cruz a lot. So I would – I know there's guys out there who'd be like, oh, you can't take a pitcher, can't take a pitcher. I'm sorry. If the pitcher's Paul Skeens, I'm taking Paul Skeens at 1-1. And, like, I also think, you know, the NL Central's up for grabs. I'm not saying this year. Like, like, like I wouldn't put him in the big leagues this year. He's pitched a lot of innings. You know, I wouldn't do that. But, like, the Pirates, they have a lot of young talent. They could realistically contend as early as 2024, 2025. Paul Skeens can be part of those teams. Um, So, if it were me, and again, I'm not drafting for need per se, I'm just drafting the Biscay. I get once in a decade a Paul Skeens comes along, and you have to be picking at the very top of the draft to got him. I mean, Cole went one, Strasburg went one. You know, I mean, these guys don't last long in the draft. And if he goes if he gets to the second pick, the Nationals are gonna snatch him up. Regard you know, even if Max Clark goes one, I think Nationals will take Skeens at two. So I would I would take Skeens one one and not worry my dogs are going crazy. My not worry about the pitching risk. Um but uh yeah, I mean how about you guys? I mean who do you guys want the pirates to take at one? So I'll I don't start
2: think because- the wrong answer. I am pretty I'm probably the most open minded about this. Um I think my order right now would be uh Cruz, Laneford, Clark, Skins.
1: Yeah, oh, okay.
2: It is nothing to do necessarily with skins, and we'll kind of get into this. Um, because I think you even talked about it on a podcast today, but I see the pirates current development right now struggling with guys who don't have the best fastball shape. You see Rwanzi Contreras being shunted to the bullpen. Quinn Priester's ceiling is being limited because even though his curveball is like a 70-grade pitch, his four-seamer probably doesn't play too well in the majors. And since scouts are talking about um, Skens kind of having a bit of a flat fastball and the Pirates seeming to have an inability to fix that, would you say that that would be a, a, a legitimate concern in terms of drafting I mean,
1: Maybe. I mean, I would, I would argue, if I was trying to argue four schemes, that he throws so hard, so consistently, and he commands the fastball so well. That's a little different than, say, maybe Quinn Priester's fastball shape or Contreras' fastball shape at 95, 96, whatever, isn't optimal. Skeens is throwing like 98, 99, 100, 101, 102. I mean, he's going to be pitching on five days, four days rest instead of six days rest. He's probably not going to be throwing 148 times in a game every time out. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I get that. But I just think Skeens, and I don't have the data in front of me exactly how flat or, you know, the shape. How you know how much of a concern it is, but I I just think his velocity and command maybe allay those concerns somewhat too.
2: Okay, yeah, no, that does make a lot of sense. I guess like for me, it, it, you're looking to draft schemes because he's going to be a Steven Strasburg type, and something that kind of reminded me of this was uh, Hunter Green, where Hunter Green has probably one of the best fastballs, pure fastballs in the majors, but he does run into issues where like it can be flat. And when pitcher hitters get around it, he can get crushed. Yeah. I don't don't think his ERA's ever been like spectacular in his young career. And obviously that can change. Like he's, he's a stud. I don't want to take anything away from Hunter green, but in terms of when you're trying to find a pitcher, like the next Cole, like the next Strasburg, would that be something you think that could hold him back from getting to that ceiling?
1: Maybe. I mean, the thing is, he's got two other pretty good pitches. I mean, it's a little unfair comparison. I mean, I know you weren't comparing but I think, like, we had Hunter Green ranked number one on our draft list. Was that 17, 17, I think?
0: 17, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, like, looking back, like, I don't know that I would have done that again because, I mean, he's gotten a much better slider since he's been pro ball. But but he was pretty much – the Hunter Green appeal was that he threw so hard and he did so easy. He still got hurt. Um, but, like, he didn't have great a feel for spinning the ball. And – his changeup was okay. But like I think Skeens' other pitches are better than Hunter Green's were. And, again, I think he commands it. Because you're exactly right. I mean, we saw in the Futures game, I think it was 2018, where he threw, like, a 102-mile-an-hour fastball and Luis Alexander Basabi homered off of it because it was belt high. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, you guys know. I mean, if yeah. Hunter Green, as hard as he throws, and he throws consistently harder than anybody in the big leagues who starts, if it's up, you know, letters, you know, up in that area, he's unhittable. But if he gets it around the belt, you know, like if it's lower in the strike zone, guys can hit velocity and it doesn't have a great line. And I think that's the difference to me is that Skeens has really good command. So if he's, and again, I don't have the exact data, exactly how flat or unshaped the pitch is. But if Skeens is throwing 98 to 100, I trust that Paul Skeens can keep it up high where it's going to be hard to catch up to. So, you know, I'm not I'm not as concerned about that as I might be other guys. Like he's I mean, I know it's college and it's different than pro ball, but I mean, he's pretty much blown through guys mm-hmm. all year. And, you know, like I, I think he's got, you know, arguably the best slider in this draft. And I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was, I've lost track now, College World Series goes on for a while. It was, it was his first College World Series outing. His slider wasn't as sharp. But I think he threw like 36 change-ups. His change-up was dancing all over the place. So I, I think he's got, you Now, granted he's older and he's had more time to develop, but I do think he's got, multiple weapons and he commands them very well Mm
2: -hmm. and just one more and i'll let donardo hop in just very quick if the pirates drafted skins and let's say by the time the draft comes around the pirates have magically risen back up to contending for the division could you put paul skins on the major league team in 2023 do you think his stuff is that good or would he still need some time to develop and mature in the minors
1: I would do – it'd be interesting. I mean, you have to check, you know, the health of his arm. Like, he's – we're yeah. recording this on the night of the championship game the College World Series, and he's not going to start, but he's available. We don't know if he's going to pitch one inning, three, five, whatever. You know, he's pitched, I think, about 110, 115 innings this year. Um, he won't pitch after tonight. By the time he signs – let's say he signs quick, he's probably going to have taken at least three weeks off. So you got to ramp him back up. Like mm-hmm. I would more like like, and I think it's tough. Like I, I was, but what I was gonna say is I, I think if you're gonna do that, you want to do what the White Sox did with Chris Sale, which is, but it was different then because the draft was a lot earlier. There was less gap between the end of the season and the draft, and they signed him quick. They sent him, I think, to A ball to start, and he pitched in relief. And he kind of like worked a little bit. Like, so if you're doing like, I don't think you just take Paul Skeens. But let's say he signs a month from today like at the end of June, end of July, and hasn't really pitched, and just say, okay, you're in the big leagues. I think you'd want to try to build him up a little bit. It would, it would be tough, because I think because of the layoff, you'd have to build him up so he'd be ready to pitch in games, and I think you'd want to have him pitch a few innings in the minors here, a few innings in the minors there. I, I think it'd be more realistic if you did that, that he'd be a bullpen piece this year. Put him in the rotation, I think, would be kind of tough. Okay. You can also think about the difficulty guys have with the major league ball being different than the minor league ball, like he like, like he wouldn't really have much time to adjust. It'd be like, here you go, Paul, like (laughs) get us, get get us to the playoffs type of thing. But like, so I think it would be tough. I think if the draft were a month earlier, like it used to be, then it'd be more realistic because you could come out of the college world series and he still like, theoretically you could sign him July 1st. And then you know, maybe ease him into the minors and, and go rather than have to ramp him back up. So I guess talking through it, I think this year would be kind of tough just because he's going to have some downtime. And I I really doubt that he's going to be sitting there over the next three or four weeks between when he gets done at the college World series and signs, he'll be keeping his arm in shape in case the major league team wants to try to rush it. I, I would think he's probably going to take it pretty easy.
0: And looking currently at the pirates and nationals record, he's probably assuming he's not going to need to. So, i understand
1: <laughs> you, you never know in the NFL. Yeah. you never know
0: i mean yeah, you're, you're right
2: watch but we <laughs> are starting to know it, it, it so, was like, like at the heart of the question it was kind of like is his stuff developed enough to where like let's say not 2023 but you would be comfortable putting him into the rotation opening day 2024 would you say yeah, his stuff, yeah you would say that
1: Yeah, I I would. I mean, but I think it'd be more likely you'd see a deal like happen with Strasburg where I don't think Paul Skeen is going to pitch this summer. So I think if he even if you look great for training, I think it might be a little bit of a stretch. I mean, he's good. I wouldn't say it'd be impossible to put him straight in the big league. I think it'd be more likely you'd see maybe send him a double A. And if he tears it up, you start thinking about calling him up a month into into the 2024 season. It, It would surprise me. If he was on the opening day roster. Because the other thing is, I mean, I know we have this new incentive rule right, with awards, where rewards mm-hmm. you have guys on an opening day roster. But that's also, it's a pretty narrow window you have to fit in. You have to win the rookie of the year be top three in MVP or Cy Young award voting, I think, before you're arbitration eligible. So there would be, whoever takes him, you could argue if you could figure out um, the, well, one, the free agency, but even the Super 2. But like, let's say you need to keep him down three weeks to delay his free agency a year. I probably that might be more valuable than hoping you get a draft pick out of him because he wins an award. So, I, I, I as good as Paul schemes is to me, the, the the earliest I feel like we'd see him would be May of next year. All right,
2: the Pirates certainly like keeping their prospects down way too long. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> we already knew that answer. <laughs> but I guess for me to answer your question too, I've been conditioned. Now we had a show. There's more talk about prospects. We talked a little bit about Dylan Cruz beforehand, knowing the you Empire's know, number one pick. And I think the biggest takeaway from there was don't get the Dylan Cruz fatigue. He's the best player. You're gonna hear names pop up, you know, the new name of the week, this person that working. Don't don't get the Dylan Cruz fatigue. You draft Dylan Cruz, right? So I've been conditioned. Like, listen, let's get all the noise out. It's Dylan Cruz, Dylan Cruz. But like, I'm really at this point, and especially like listening to you and other people, and like just, just looking like. Paul Skeens is, is really good, guys. And maybe he's like, like, I talked about beforehand, like maybe he actually is making a point that he is the best player. It's not just this guy who came up and like he had a really good hot start. He's throwing 102 on pitch number like 123. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm starting to feel that way, but I'm also understanding and, and trying to, you know, buck the trend too. Like Cruz is safer, right? He is a pitcher. So let me ask you something else too, because someone who isn't like in my mind who's, I want Dylan Cruz because I feel like skeins might be a little bit riskier. When you see him throwing 102 and throwing 120, 130 pitches in the game, right? And you're thinking Tommy John, right? Because that's the first thing people go to mentality-wise. Put me at ease. Why are we overvaluing and thinking that's too much of a risk, uh, what he's doing right now pitching-wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all pitchers come with risk. You know, you you have to take some risk at some point, and like it's weird because like I'm saying, I take Paul, I take Skeens, I'd be happy. Here's the way I would look at it from from a Pirates perspective. There's no wrong answer here. If you get Cruiser Skeens, either way, that's that's a great pick. Either one of those guys, probably in terms of what they do for Pittsburgh, going to be the best number one pick in franchise history. Like so, it's
0: you know number one overall pick. I'm not saying better than Barry Bonds, but so um, no Brian Bullington.
1: You know what's funny? Brian Bullington gets a bad rap
0: because, (laughs) yes,
1: they should have taken B.J. Upton. And Dave Littlefield was too honest when they asked him on draft day and he said that Brian Bullington could become a number three starter. And people were like, what? Like number three starters are really good. (laughs) Brian Bullington just got hurt. But he was a legit dude. I feel like Brian Bullington, I always feel like I can't criticize a draft pick if it made sense at the time, if it was a valid pick at the time. I won't That's go back. You know, this guy, like Chris Benson, didn't turn out, but Chris Benson was absolutely the number one pick in 1996. But so anyway, I, I, I was digressing. Yeah, I, I worry about the fact that guys who throw hard, like, just don't hold up. Like, you know, like if it's Tommy John, guys come back from it. I mean, I would say in terms of Skeens's health, J.J. Cooper, Baseball America had a great article he wrote about a week ago where he was saying 123 pitches in college is not the same as 123 pitches in, the, in a major league game. The guys are pitching on six days rest. Yeah, I know he pitched on 40s rest. You know, for his second start, he hasn't been throwing 120 pitches every game. But also, when you're watching a guy pitch, you have to see what he looks like. And one, you know, he wasn't laboring. He was still throwing hard at the end of the start. If you want to think, if he's losing his mechanics, or he's lowering his arm slot, or he's suddenly throwing 96 miles an hour, or not commanding his pitches as well, he looked fresh, might be a little strong, but he still looked really, really good. And as JJ pointed out. On the development level, there's a reason guys don't throw 120 pitches every fifth day in the minor leagues. We're talking every seven days in college. And again, he didn't throw 120 every time out. But as JJ also pointed out, the reason guys don't throw 120 pitches in the big leagues isn't because people are afraid they're going to break, Like especially as you get into your 30s and you've your, your arm's you know, fairly healthy or you've shown you can handle the workload. It's because guys aren't effective on pitches 100 to 120 at the big league level. They don't want him even going a third time through the order in most cases. Paul Skeens that pitches 100-120 is still by far the best pitcher LSU has. And I'm not saying that's an excuse to then let him throw 150. But it's not like – I think when people see guys throw 120 pitches, like the, the Twitter pitch count police get all up in arms like, oh, my God, what's he doing? Like this is different than Quinn Matthews at Stanford throwing 156 pitches. That, that's yeah. not – but this isn't like like they're, they're, you know, they're running Paul Skeens into the ground you know, like, again, if you were watch- if people watch the game, I don't know his last pitch was his second start on 40s rest, but he was throwing, like, 98 to 100 in his last inning of work. Um, you, you know, it, again, it'd be one thing. I, I Look, I've seen guys. I've seen guys in the College of the Series years ago, like, laboring where they were. I, the worst game I ever saw was Ben McDonald versus Kirk Dressendorf. Ben McDonald's number one pick. Kirk Dressendorf was best pitcher in college baseball for three years in terms of performance. McDonald had a blister. He gave up like, I know, like I think he still holds a record for runs given up from an old series start. Dressendorfer was this little guy, like six foot. Won the first round to the A's next year and got hurt. And never, I don't, I think Dressendorfer made it a little bit in the big leagues. Anyway, Dressendorfer had a bad back. He could not bend over. But Texas was short on pitching depth, and they were up like eleven to five. So he like Cliff Gustin let Dressendorfer throw like I don't know 150. It was awful. You know, that was that that Drosendorf. Like it was painful. It made my back hurt watching it. And the stuff wasn't good. Like that. That was like yes, this guy's throwing way too many pitches. It's not the same with skiing. So I'm not worried about him being abused. um And again, like he's going to be. I mean, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't handle pitchers carefully. But you look at how much care major league teams handle pitchers with. They can keep guys healthy. Guys get hurt in the minors all the time. Guys get hurt in the majors all the time. It, you know, it's like there's there's no magic formula that, hey, if we keep him under 100 pitches, he'll be healthy forever. It, it doesn't work that way. It just – I think with pitchers, you have to assume that most pitchers are going to get hurt at some point. But, you know, it, it's somewhere – I still think back to Max Scherzer. I saw Max Scherzer in there's on Fall League after he signed. He, he sat – out. he held out for almost a year and signed right before next year's draft. So, he, I think he pitched a little to the minors, but then he pitched the Fall League. And he had literally the biggest head whack I think I've ever seen on a pitcher in person. Like, I mean, his head's bouncing off his shoulder every time he threw a pitch. And every scout said some variation of, you got to get that guy to the big leagues as a reliever right away, because he's going to blow out in two years. Get what you can out of him, he's going to blow out, and then you see what you have after that. And I think I think until, like, the last year or two, I don't think Max Scherzer ever had an arm injury. I think he had, like, a finger injury at one point, and that's what was cropping up in the World Series. And Maybe he had an arm injury last year, but Max Scherzer never got hurt. I mean, look, he cleaned up his delivery some, too, but, like, that's just my way of saying like, there's no real rhyme or reason as to, you know, this right. guy looks, he's got a pretty delivery and we handle him carefully and he breaks. And this guy, his delivery looks awful and he stays healthy. So I'm, it, it's like, I guess I look at it like it's Dylan Cruz would be a fine number one pick. So I'm not putting Dylan Cruz down, but I guess I look at it like, yeah, Dylan Cruz is safer. I mean, he's good. So you're, it's not like you're just getting like some guy's going to bat seventh in your lineup, but like, when you're drafting at top of the draft, do you want to draft safe or do you want to try to win a World Series? And like, like, yeah, you can win a World Series with Dylan Chris too, but like Paul Skeens, he's that type of guy that like he pitches a couple times in the world. Like, he's one of those guys who's capable of going on that postseason run and maybe he wins four or five games in the postseason and carries you to the World Series. Like, there are not many guys like Paul Skeens in the big leagues right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, I get that Dylan Cruz is safer. And look, he wouldn't be a bad number one pick at all. And like, it is it is very close. But for me, I'm trying to win a world series. I think you wouldn't, like, I think if I have Paul Skeens, chances are the other teams not going to have Paul Skeens. So I'm going to feel that that's going to give me an advantage in the games where he's on the map. Like Dylan Cruz is really good. There, there's other guys in the big leagues I'd put, you know, on the level with Dylan Cruz. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think what I would say, maybe it's a reassurance is that, the comps he gets are Cole and Strasburg in terms of like what he's like as a prospect. And Garrett Strasburg, who hasn't gotten any war in the last three seasons, 36.6 career war. Garrett Cole, 40 career war. Like if you get 30 career war out of your number one overall pick, that's a successful pick pretty much yeah. any way you slice it. <clears throat> and obviously, I don't think the Pirates extend either of these guys past probably not. I mean realistically if these guys are as good as they're
1: supposed to be well so we we got so they'll be free agents by like the end of 2030-31 so we're going to have revenues keep going we're probably talking like 400 million dollar contracts for these guys so yeah probably not under this ownership
2: yeah (laughs) Um, Um, but yeah, but I think I think there's a good point. It's like, you can't really go wrong. I guess what I would follow up with that, like, should Pirates fans be happy if they decide to go not Skens or Cruz, and they decide to go Clark or Laneford? Like, would we still like as a fan base, like, still like you know, be should we still be okay with that? Like, do you think the talent levels are high enough that those are still good number one picks? Yeah. I, I, yes and no. I
1: think yes, in terms of they're getting a very good player at number one, and I like both those guys a lot. Like I said, I think Langford has more power than any of these guys we're talking in the top five. You know, Jenkins has comparable power, but Langford's done it in the SEC. I mean, we've seen him hit some bombs in the College World Series. Um, Max Clark, like I said, has got the best all-around tools. All these guys, maybe not. You know, maybe he's more twenty-homer power than thirty-plus homer power, but like he could be a two-eighty. Maybe he's better here than that. And, you know, he's going to run stuff down center field and wreak havoc on the bases. And he's got a good arm. So so from that standpoint, assuming that – I mean, I, I don't think we're talking about going outside the top five. Like assuming that, yeah, they'd be getting a number one caliber player. That would be good. I just – if I were a Pirates fan, I would have a problem with it just from the standpoint of like like I get if – let's say their heart's set on Dylan Cruz. And Dylan Cruz, let's say he wants $10 million, and He's like, I'm not going to sign for less than ten. And the Pirates are like, ah, we think you're gonna sign for 9.2. And he's like, okay, but you know what? I'm gonna sign with one second to go on the clock, and you can't use any of my extra money on anybody else. Because the mm-hmm. thing is, too, if he comes out of the pool, his money comes out of the pool. So that's like his 5% of his pick is in our 450,000. So it's like he could kind of hold their bonus pool hostage to some extent and fight back. And so, like, you probably don't wanna do that if you feel like it's gonna come down to that. Um, well, then I would be like, okay, fine. We'll take Skeens. We'll take Skeens. We'll give Skeens nine point one or nine point two million dollars. I I would have a problem as a Pirates fan if you don't take the guy you think is the best player.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and like I said, I don't think Langford's that far from Cruz. But to me, it's 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 Cruz, Skeens, Skeens, Cruz, and it's it's everybody else is just like the next step down. Um, I mean, they may come out and tell you, hey, we want Langford number one on our board. I just don't know if I was a Pirates fan, I'd believe like if the Pirates don't take a guy they thought was as good as any player in the draft, I'd have a problem if I were a Pirates fan. Mm-hmm. Although they, they, there's there's no way they can take a guy who's not worthy of the number one pick in a normal year. Gotcha. So that, that's my yes and no. It'll, it'll be a very good player that they get, but if it's not one of the absolute best, I'd have a problem. Because like I said before, like they can rationalize, hey, we signed this guy for eight and a half. Let's say they sign him for a million dollars less than, than Cruz or schemes or whatever. Are you going to ensure that you're going to sneak the guy you want down to 42? You better have some options. And there's like nine teams that can spend big money before you can on your second pick. So you better have a lot of options you're willing to give that extra money to. So I I would just take whoever you think is is the best guy and then still be aggressive. And you're still going to be able to, to get a pretty good player at 42.
0: Okay i was gonna say if yeah. there's one thing this you know know about this fan base is they don't trust anything the pirates say. So you're absolutely correct. They could come out and draft Dylan Cruz and say he was number one on the on the, on the draft board, and the pirates fans would still not believe it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Makes you believe. It. I, I will say this. I mean, I do think. I, I I mean I've known Ben Charrington for a long time, and I respect him a lot, and I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, I've lost probably been there a couple years now, three years, 60, twenty,
2: yeah. yeah, You're number four.
1: Yeah. yeah, so I, 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 I would have faith in Ben Charrington. Now, obviously, you could argue Boston's a little different situation resource-wise in Pittsburgh. Sure. But I, I do think he's a smart guy, and, and you know he knows player development. He was farm director for a long time. Um, and he I think he knows talent. I think he knows development.
2: Okay. One last question about non-crews or skins, because I am looking at your freshly top 100 right now. And I see a high schooler at the top. I see Jackson Holiday is currently the number one prospect in baseball. If the Pirates were to go Max Clark or Walker Jenkins, do you see them on the same level as a Jackson Holiday who has just been destroying every level he's been at in baseball to to skyrocket to number one pick? Or do you think that the risk factor because they're high school players just isn't you you can't make that call.
1: I mean, what you could do is you could compare him at a similar stage of their career when they came out of the draft. Because obviously, you're going to take Jackson Holiday every day because he's hit 320 in pro ball and he's already I8H19. I, I think Jackson Holiday's a better prospect than say Max Clark was mm-hmm. because a he's an infielder, b he's got more power, c I think he's a better pure hitter. I mean, and I love Max Clark. I just Jackson is ridiculous. He's <laughs> Yeah, my, my dogs second that. They're they're fighting here on the floor. Guys, chill out. Jackson Holiday's is absurd. I mean, I do think – I answered this question, and like, I'm so frazzled, I can't remember exactly how I answered But I had somebody ask me, like, where were the top five guys in the draft fit on the top 100 compared to other guys? Now, I do think, like, Max Clark – well, here's a good one. I'm not saying we'd put him ahead of him because our guys played in pro ball already. But if you're comparing Max Clark to Pete Crow Armstrong, He's number 10 on our top 100 prospects list right now. Max Clark's a better prospect than Pete Armstrong coming out of high school. Pete Crow like Pete Armstrong was the best defensive center fielder in his draft, and like we're throwing 80s on it now. So he's better defensively than Max was. I think they're similar hitters. There's a lot of question as to how much impact Pete Armstrong was gonna have. Like it was kind of like 40 power, you know, 12, 15 homers. And there were some concerns, like, is that like are we even like is 15 even maybe a little bit much? And, and Pete Crow has remade his swing, and it's different now. He attacks the ball better, and, and he's he's better than he was in high school. But, like, Max Clark's better than Pete Crow Armstrong was in high school, and we had him at 10. We, we have James Wood at 6, and James Wood coming out of high school was weird because, you know, he's a six six two forty, 240, just crazy tools. But people wondered whether he could hit uh, coming out of high school. He had a terrible senior year at IMG Academy, and then oddly enough, he's done nothing but hit. Like, from day one, he hit, like, 370 in rookie ball. He's never stopped hitting. He's in double-A already. So, um, you know, I I think, like, if they sign Max Clark, my guess is, like, Max Clark would probably be, when we did the new top 100 in midseason, Max Clark would be in the top 20 or 25 prospects in the game. I I think all five of those guys would be in the top 20 or 25 prospects in the game.
2: Uh, and I'm assuming Cruz uh, Cruz and Skins go immediately into the top 15, if not top 10.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting. Like Dylan Cruz versus like Jackson Chorio's not tearing it up. Like if you, I mean, I think certainly you know, Chorio's nineteen in Double A, but like hmm. Dylan Cruz versus James Wood, like, like maybe he, if he doesn't go ahead of him, he probably goes right behind him. I mean, I think I think Cruz and Skeens go in the top ten, and I do think, especially considering our top two pitching prospects right now, Yuri Perez can graduate. Off top 100. Bobby Miller's going to graduate pretty soon. Andrew Painter's yet to throw a pitch this year. To me, Paul Skeens would be best pitching prospect in baseball when he signs.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, I think the answer is too, like, just how loaded this top five is. I mean, there's, yeah. there's real talent there. Yeah. So that's I mean, you, interesting you,
1: to know. You were saying you know, how the Pirates fans don't trust anything. I will say the, the, the one good thing about this is there are five really good players in the draft. So even if they do take a discount deal which would make me grit my teeth, they're still getting a really good player. So it's like, you can't really mess this pick. You're, you're getting, I mean, who knows? I'm sure all five of them won't turn out to be superstars. But there are five guys who are worthy of being the number one pick in most years. And they're going to get one of those guys. Yeah, he's better than the other. Like, like, Henry Davis looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. Like, I still think he's more outfielder than catcher. That doesn't surprise me. But I do think he can hit. But that was a year where it's like, oh, man, like, there's no like obvious guy here. There's like the year they pick second and the nationals pick first and Bryce Harper was right there. Like, yeah. you know, like sometimes you, you know, you you're, you have a good spot or it's a good year. This is a good year to have the number one overall pick. It's interesting.
0: Interesting. And, and, and again, that's just the thing, you know, that, that's with Pyre fans. They always know, like it's going to be, you said not all of them will pan out. I think that's part of it too. Cruz is safe. Cruz feels like he's a major leaguer today where things can happen to schemes and such. And most pirates fans feel like if they do take skeins, well, you're a pirate fan. Something <laughs> will happen to him. <laughs> um, but I, I want to ask they- you one last question here. Uh, kind of moving on from the the draft in this sense, but the MLB Combine. Uh, you, you know, you were there all last week. That's something kind of newer. I don't think too many fans are familiar with it. We know MLB gets all the exposure, by the Combine is much different. So maybe just asking you: Did anyone? I don't know if there's much like changing, but did anyone like show up at the combine and like, wow, anyone, anything move up, move down, anything I, like could stand out at the combine for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like the NFL combine where like a guy's going to run like a four two and all of a sudden like, Oh, he's going right. first round like, you know, and it's funny. Like most of those guys seem like they don't pan out like John Ross or, or whatever, um, run a four one eight or whatever it was he ran. But, um, it, it's, it's interesting because I think the most important aspects of the combine actually happen off the field because so at the combine i mean most of the top players like ranked in the say top 40 or 50 on people's draft prospect list don't participate on the field they don't really have an insane like like paul Skeens was at the college world series but paul Skeens went to the combine like he was going to go to the combine had they not been the world series paul Skeens wasn't going to go throw a three-minute bullpen because like what does he have to show you in a three-minute bullpen? He's like, here's right. my body. Our teams have video of every pitch he's thrown this year at LSU. This, 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 the, the high school guys all get scouted on the showcase circuit with wood bats. Everybody's been seen this spring. So the, the things they do, like throw a bullpen for three minutes or taking be BP or taking an infield and outfield, you've seen these guys do – most of these guys do this a ton. Like maybe it's a small school guy. Like he throws and you get some data on him if you didn't have track man data on him or, or whatever. But the on-field stuff doesn't matter a ton. Now there are exceptions. For guys who maybe there was an injury question, like Cameron Johnson, who's a high school pitcher from Florida, he had—I um, forget what he came down with—minor injury this spring, and missed, I think, like two three months. He came back for the Florida high school all-star game a couple weeks ago, and they pitched the combine. I mean, granted, it was only three minutes, but he looked great. He looked great, and so that helped him. Jacob Mizrowski last year, who has the, he's with Brewers now, has maybe the best stuff in the minors. He's a JUCO pitcher who had, like, between the pandemic and hamstring injury and a torn meniscus, hadn't been seen a lot before 2022. He looked unbelievable on on the mound. But for the most part, the important stuff is, A, the medical testing. Like, MLB's wanted medical testing for a long time. And and this is year three of the combine. The first year they had the combine, there was no incentive for players to do medical testing. Like, if I I do a – like, we give you a full medical, and, geez man, your elbow doesn't look good. Tough luck. Sorry, buddy. Like, so nobody's going to take a physical in those circumstances. Last year, the union came to an agreement with MLB. Anybody who takes a physical combine is guaranteed 75% of the slot money where they're taken. So you don't have a Kumar Rocker situation where he doesn't do a physical until after the draft. And you're like, oh, man, we don't like the shoulder. We don't like the elbow. We're not going to sign him. You know, if Kumar Rocker had gone to a combine and done a physical, you know, you, you can make your own determination on his arm. And a lot of times the arm stuff's subjective. So the medical stuff's important. I think there were roughly 300 players in the combine and I think like 75 or 80%, maybe even more took physicals. So that's a big part. Um, I think all the stuff you don't see on camera this is the, the super important stuff. Teams do interviews. Every team had a suite at Chase Field. Um, you know, they'll have four, six, eight, ten 10 executives. And the players will spend like 20, 30 minutes, not necessarily doing all 30 teams, but players could say they want to talk to certain teams. Teams could say they want to talk to certain players. They match them up and you get to meet a bunch of guys in the front office. Um, And you get a feel like in kind of a casual setting and and teams and players, everybody I've ever talked to in three years. In fact, Henry Davis, they didn't take a number one because he interviewed well, but Henry Davis really impressed people interview process at the combine. And especially back then, it was coming off endemic. You didn't get as much face to face time with players. It's it's gotten better as we've gotten further away from the pandemic. And then they do, they'll do like um, athletic testing, like strength and conditioning measurements and 30 yard dashes and broad jumps and you know the players consent to that like you know i'm no expert on that stuff but that's stuff you don't have on a lot of players like and it's it's useful to get you know if they want to provide it so it's more that type of stuff where it kind of i think fills out a picture for a player as opposed to oh we had this guy as a third round pick and he had a great piece and so now he's a first rounder like it doesn't really work that right. way but you just can feel better or i guess theoretically worse about a player when you see his medicals when you do the interviews when you get some of the athletic data because um, like i mean this is no surprise here most of the guys who performed in the workout like were guys who crushed the ball in bp and they crushed the ball in bp and on the, most of the guys who threw the ball in the bull, three minute bullpen either throw hard or they can really spin it and you have the data like you aren't going to participate in those things if you don't think they're going to help you and like i said the very best guys. Like if I'm Dylan Cruz, like let's say he'd gone to the combine well What's he going to show you? Like, you already know the guy's like the number one prospect in the draft for most teams. Like you can take BP and, and make you think he's even better. Like, you're not going to be like pirates aren't going to go, Oh, okay. Now we'll give him 10 million. Like <laughs> great, BP, great interview. Okay. Now you blank check. Like it just doesn't work that way.
0: Sure. Awesome. No, I appreciate that insight. Um, that's really all I had. I've, I- Really value your time, Jim. Um, I know we went a little over them. I told you. I
1: told you I'm I'm busy and like we go like maybe 20, 30 minutes, but I love talking draft. You guys ask good questions and we went close to an hour. Like, (laughs) that's funny. Now I'm like, like, this just heightens my anticipation. Now it's like, I want the draft to be tomorrow. I don't want to wait, I guess, 13 days from when we're recording this. I don't want to wait 13 days to know who the Mm. pirates are going to pick.
2: I want to know now. So. Neither do we. I, yeah, uh, I, know, I know. But I think what we're saying hearing is that Jacob Wilson is number one pick. Lock it in.
1: Former <laughs> player, his, his dad played for the Pirates, right?
2: Yeah. 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 He's my, he my favorite player growing up. So. Well, there you go.
1: So you, you'll be the one guy when they announce Jack Wilson. <laughs> you'll be like, yes! Um, I, you know it's funny? I like Jack Wilson. He's he's a little tough to figure out. Like, he's easily the best contact hitter in this draft. I think he... Struck out five times this year after striking out at yeah, Grand that's
0: Canyon crazy
2: yeah
1: and i think he's got a a, per, a good chance to stay at shortstop more so than some of these other college shortstops are going to go pretty good it's like the i think some teams are digging him a little bit for exit velocities and and how much impact he's ultimately going to have like he might only be a 10 12 15 home run guy but he also might play a you know decent shortstop and and hit 300 so um but yeah he, he's going to go pretty good he just shouldn't go number one. If he goes number one,
0: <laughs> right. <shouldn't> go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, for real though, Jim. Really great. Appreciate you coming on. Uh good stuff. And um we'll we'll be adding you when Pirates fans are pissed off that it's not cruiser schemes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I, I you'll they'll get a, if that's the case, they're still getting a very good player. You mm. you should never compromise talent with the number one overall pick. You got to take any first round pick. I think I'm not saying you should take all ceiling with a bunch of risk, but whoever you think the best player is, that's who you should take. As long as he's signable within your bones and everybody's signable within the Pirates bones.
0: For sure. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. Maybe we'll talk to you some other time soon, but uh, you have a rest. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Thanks guys.